The area that we're standing in is called, uh, all the avenues are called after birds. This is we're standing in the avenue of the linnets, near us is the avenue of the eagle, and the blackbird, the canary, and close by is the avenue of the song of the birds, which in French, a beautiful name, the avenue Chantoiseau. And I think from that you can, uh, from the sounds around us, you can tell easily why we're all, they're all, all the avenues are called after birds. Terry Stewart, the tenant of 3 Avenue of the Linnets in Brussels. It's a big house with basement standing in its own grounds. And with Terry live his wife Anne and their three children, David, when he's not attending UCG, and Niall and Brian. When they moved here, they took it in their stride as just another move, just another bit of packing to do. Anne says... Well, we, we started off in Belfast and... Um then we moved down to, to Cork, uh, four or five years there, and then up to Galway, seven years there, and we've been for the last three years here in Brussels. So, you know, it gets easier every time, the move and uh, settling in and adjusting, because the first time, the first of everything, of course, is the hardest. So um, after that, it can get easier. It does get easier. It has to get easier. <laughs> you couldn't go on. But this is a very big change for you in the sense that it's another language too. Oh yes, that, that's a problem for me because I'm having problems with with the French. I have tried, but I don't know what it is. I just can't seem to... to um, I think it's the verbs, <laughs> the problem, just remembering from the different, uh, the different verbs for different things. But apart from there are enough people who can speak English and are only delighted to practice their English on me. And I think that perhaps is a problem because I'm, I'm delighted to let them practice on me and instead of me practicing my French. But you have your own team of interpreters here, so you're not doing too bad. Oh, now. yes, the children. I don't know what I would do without them because they do all my phone calling for me because the phone is a problem. Somebody said to me, if you can uh, have a phone conversation in French, you've it made. Well, I haven't got to that stage yet, so the children have to do all that, uh, that for me. I can manage to make an appointment for my hair and very, very simple. I write it out and sort of just repeating it and repeating it until somebody at the other end of the line says, ah, we, you know, they realise what I'm trying to say to them. And then, of course, my accent doesn't help either. My French accent is very bad. Terry, did you have any problems adjusting to the language? Uh, I had some, uh, Frida, because I was—I uh, hadn't done any French really since I left school, which was a long, long time ago. Uh, I have travelled a bit in—I'd uh, been to Brussels quite often since about 1969, and but apart from taxi fares and giving directions, that's the only French I spoke. Uh, it's a little bit difficult because where we uh, are, there are five, what they call anglophones. Uh, in in the directorate that I work in, uh, a lot of francophones. Um, the, um, the francophone was once described to me as a telephone box that took francs, but uh, it's not quite true. These are people who speak, whose mother tongue is French, and we have quite a lot of them. Therefore, most of our meetings, quite a lot of our work, is in French. Um, we can work in English, and I can work in English. I was dealing largely with UK and with Irish matters for the first couple of years, so it wasn't a big problem. But as you begin to get more integrated into the work of the community, French is very, very necessary. And so I've progressed quite a bit, I think. Uh, it's hard, 
I'm doing a course of intensive French, intensive course at the moment. It's four hours every morning, a couple of hours in the evening for two weeks. And I'm hoping next winter to devote quite a lot of work to it. I had um, the same sort of problems learning Irish uh, when I was in, 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 in Gaeltra, mainly because I didn't have the time. Here I have a little bit more time, but uh, there are pressures, family pressures, uh, and uh, you just cannot really, when you've had a long day, uh, sit down and think of two or three hours of French. So it's a hard thing. Uh, you have to keep pressing yourself to do it, and I'm, I'm, I think I'm now adjusted psychologically to doing it. And um, I, I'm going to have a real go at it next winter, and then after that, please God, maybe learn another community language. Well, you're you certainly haven't turned your back on the Irish language because Niall is off tomorrow to the Gaeltacht. That's to right, Rossaville, That's is it? right, to Rossaville. The children, uh, both Niall and, and Brian, learn Irish at school in the European school. They do Irish, and Niall is going back and has been. This will be his fifth year, I think, at Rossaville. Brian was in Ballymacera last year, Ballyborny, sorry, Ballyborny. Uh, he's going back to Galway with us this year. He won't be going to an Irish college this year, but please God, he'll start again next year, uh, going back to Ireland to, to a summer, summer school. Um, Why do you do this? Well, in, in both cases, uh, it's personal choice uh, for the boys. Uh, Niall came with Irish and it was always his um, idea he would do his leaving certificate back in Ireland and he's going to do that so in a sense Irish was necessary for him Brian not so much we had a chat about it last year and he took the decision he wanted to do Irish and we had a further chat about it about three weeks ago and he's taken the decision he wants to continue on doing Irish so I'm delighted but I think they, they, they need it for themselves for, the, mm. for their they need it for themselves because while we're all Europeans and that we still have our roots that we have to keep those Though I don't speak Irish myself, so I shouldn't really be, be talking about roots and all th that sort of thing. But I think it's necessary for them to go back to Ireland for a month every year and, and really get back to, to uh, basics again. And it helps them. It helps yeah. them, I think. I think that's very, yes, very but true. But they can get very... At that age, they can forget easily, you know, when they get too cosmopolitan. I mean, the European school, they've got, what, four or five nationalities altogether. And you can get two European, so which I suppose is the wrong thing to say because we're all supposed to be Europeans. But mm. you do need your own little corner of it to keep. <clears throat> no, my, I, I must say I agree with him because my personal view is that uh, to be a good European, I think you have to be uh, have a strong feeling for your own country too. If you're going to build Europe, it's not a, a unified Europe in the sense that it's a, a mishmash of cultures. I think it's got to be um, a strong. Uh, community of diversity and culture, and that's what we must aim at. And I think uh, I'm, 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 I'm fully agreement there. I think it's we've got to, to to maintain our roots, and we'd like to see the children maintaining their roots very much back in Ireland. Is schooling good here in general? Uh, difficult question to answer um, because it depends very much on the child. It depends very much on the age he comes into the school. Um, the European school is provided for the children of not only of people working in the commission but uh, if they have places any other people who, who have children who wish to go there uh, it's strong language bias each of them do five languages uh, sorry Brian has, hasn't started his fifth language yet but Niall does five languages he, what does, are they? he does English, Irish, Dutch, uh, French and Latin Niall, Brian who's uh, now 12 has French, Dutch, Irish, English and he starts Latin next year now, it's a fairly hefty load on them. 
and uh, to come in they, they also I should tell you must do history and geography through another language other than their mother tongue so in both cases, well Niall again has been doing history and geography through French for the last three years Brian will begin I think next year to do history and geography through French what about David? Oh, David. <laughs> Forget David, he's working. <laughs> uh, David's at university in Galway, and uh, he finished uh, school at 17 in Ireland with his leaving cert. And funny enough, it was always our ambition, because I taught a part-time in the university in Galway, and I always felt that our, our kids come to university too early. And so we had said, when David finishes, we'll send him to Europe for a year. But we didn't realise at the time we'd be coming to Europe for a year. So the year he finished, we came to Europe. And uh, he came with us, and he spent a year at a school studying French. He got a reasonably good mark on his leaving in French, but he spent a full year here doing nothing but French. And his French is very good. He did all his driving lessons in French. He did his driving test in French. Uh, in fact, uh, he has difficulty in calling brakes brakes. <laughs> he has to think what they are uh, in, well, uh, when he's driving. Well, I think that was the rock I perished on because, uh, you know, David went to... I never posted a letter. I didn't even buy a stamp for one year because David was there and he could go up and get stamps and he could do all the things like that. That was the rock. I if I didn't have that, I would have had to do it myself and I could have probably been much better on with the French now. So, but I think it was a great thing for him because he matured and became a more rounded person and uh, is quite happy back in Galway. Very happy back there. I'd certainly say to anyone who has uh, the, the means of doing it that uh, they should try and see their children get some little experience of life on the continent because it's very much part of our life in Ireland now. Uh, Europe is meaning more and more. We're building more contacts and I think the more we get our kids to understand what Europe is all about... I think it'll be better for the country uh, in the future. What does it do for them, living here, for example? Does it make them better people in any way? Again, I think it depends a lot on the, on the children. It doesn't... Uh, it, it, and the family background and whatnot. But I think that uh, it does round them off much more. They see, they see a, a much wider spectrum of life. They're meeting people of all shades of opinion, background... Uh, colour and creed. Are and they meeting very privileged people, though? I, I think perhaps they, they, they are. You know, the, we're, we're all of the same sort of level, mostly community uh, children, they're, they're common market children they're, they're uh, meeting. Admittedly, they're all of all nationalities. But it certainly, I think, it helps them to mature. And be, The only danger is they can become too sophisticated. You know, because really, that's an Irish some mother the, speaking. Though. Well, it may be an Irish <laughs> mother speaking, but they, they have been called the European children of the European school have been called the pampered darlings of Europe, and I think it's true. And that my <laughs> one trouble that, that I have three pampered darlings, but um, I try when they come from the school to to leave the pampered darling back I at the school and keep them. In. Terry, did you come out here after the big money? or for job fulfilment, or why really? Mm, that's a difficult one. <laughs> um, it's Peculiarly enough, uh, it's one thing I never saw myself doing was, was, was emigrating from Ireland. Uh, all through my uh, working life, I've never, ever contemplated it. 
um, I became involved with the community oh, way back in the 50s. I, I, I became a, took a great interest in the, the European Common Market, as it then was, one of the communities. And I used to lecture on it and um, in Northern Ireland quite a bit. Uh, then in Gaeltra, I began to get involved with the community, uh, establishing relationships from about 1970 onwards. And I became responsible uh, as one of the functions uh, I was responsible for was relations with the European community. So uh, it happened that in 1976, I was invited to come out and uh, spend uh, a two or three years here uh, on temporary capacity. And uh, it has also happened in that time that uh, I have uh, been offered a permanent job, and I've, I've, I'm now permanent. Uh, why I did it, uh, I think it was to, I don't think I know, it was basically, I, 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 I liked the idea of working in an international organization. It was something I hadn't thought about much before, but when it was put to me, I thought it would be a tremendous thing. Uh, certainly the money was attractive. Oh, most attractive. <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I, I made my decision at a time when taxation was, <laughs> was, was pretty <laughs> rough in Ireland. <laughs> and uh, it was, uh, it was, it was uh, certainly uh, a, a factor. Uh, and also I felt it was a new phase in my career. Do you need to consider money very much when you leave a job in Ireland to come to work here? You obviously need a hell of a lot more money. Oh, I think you must do. I think you, you have a lot of extra costs. You're living in a high-wage society, a high-cost society in many ways. Some costs not so different, others quite different. Anything with service, anything with labour involved is extremely expensive. Uh, I'm thinking of personal services, hairdressing, uh, things like that. A haircut, for example, for yourself and the lads. Oh, well, I mean, if, if we all went together, uh, we fortunately don't go all together, it's about 30 to 35 pounds uh, for the four of us. So uh, that's the sort of thing. But then you take into account the fact that wages are so much higher here, and if you even say that they're double what the Irish level is, and I think they're a little bit maybe more than that, um, you're talking then maybe four pounds a head, and that's not unreasonable compared to what you pay in Dublin, uh, which is what I paid recently in Dublin. And I felt the standard of service that we get here is better. You do pay taxes, of course. Oh, we pay taxes, yes. Here, uh, not to the Belgian state. We pay to uh, because I'm a, in the Commission. We pay what is called a community tax, and that is cr that I think. Not too sure what happens to it, but it goes into the general funds anyway. I think Irish. Uh, civil servants, their uh, money is credited to the Irish government. And how do the taxes compare with at home? Better. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit better, yeah. And uh, the the um, uh, oh, difficult to say, quite honestly. But percentage-wise, I would be paying a lower rate of tax here than at home, largely because I think in apart from salary we get allowances because we're living abroad. I think you must, you must sort of think in terms of going abroad, I would say you must think in terms of earning up to three times your net hourly salary at least to come out. Would you ever aspire to owning your own home here? We've thought about it, we're thinking about it now. Uh, we ke we've kept our house in Galway uh, and uh, we're um, always with the idea uh, that we may go back. Um, 
we are thinking about it here. Question is whether it's more economic to rent or to to buy here, because rents are controlled by the state and house prices are quite high. You'll pay oh, 120, 150 thousand pounds for a house without too much difficulty. But then it's your own. That's I think it goes against the grade of an Irish person to pay rent, to pay to uh, rent and have nothing to show for it at the end. Are rents very high here? They are. They are. But then again, you get what you pay for. I mean, this house is quite expensive, but we have a very nice big house. It's about twice the size of our house in Galway, and um, it's very nice. I like this house. I'd like to buy this house, but I mean, your, this house now to buy would be about £200,000. Well, there's no way we, we, could, we could pay that money. Mm. Or we would mm. pay. It's not just a could, but it would. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very expensive. I, I think it's, the standard of housing is, is high, and there is a rent, the renting of accommodation is, is, is much more prevalent here. It was said recently that Irish people own their houses and rent their televisions. Here you rent, own your television and you rent your house. And uh, that's exactly, absolutely true. How about, you know, getting out of here? You're, you're obviously at a great vantage point living here. Oh, yes. I mean, we're, you get into the car at the door and two hours later, you're, or three hours later, you're in Paris. Two hours later, you're over the German border, well into Germany. Yeah. You're, without the hassle of, of moving across sea. Yeah. The, yeah. It's, it's very it's good. It's really, you get spoiled here. It's very very spoiled. You must remember, Belgium is only the size of Munster. Yes. and of 10 million people in it but you can be you can shop in Germany quite easily in a day you can go to France for a day shopping you can go to Holland without any problem and uh, travelling on holidays is, 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 is absolutely no problem you can get on the motorway about 2 kilometres from here and you can virtually motorway the whole way to Rome yeah but the, the, the thing is you've got to go about 90 miles to go to the seaside and into another country well, there's no shortage of seaside where David Stewart, who is 19, spends most of his year. He studies science at University College Galway and travels to Brussels on holiday. During the during the summer, though, it's not much of a holiday during the summer because I'm uh, working now. Uh, I'll be working right up until the middle of August. What kind of work are you doing? Well, at the moment I'm working in a newspaper distributors. I'm working at the night, on the night shift from 8 in the, in the evening till 4 in the morning. Of course, I'm being paid pretty well for it. But, uh, How much? Well, my basic is £500 a month, plus bonuses. Uh, and it came, everything, before tax and Social Security came to about £650. I, of course, I lost 150 of that to the tax and Social Security. But um, it's, it's still £500, is still a sizable amount, so it is. And that's yeah. just not a nixer, in fact. You're actually re- replacing a full-time worker. Yes, that's, that's very, very true. I... Um, it's uh, the way it is here is that the employers know that the that their their workers have been working all year and they deserve a holiday, so they let them go off. But because of the nature of the business that I'm working in, uh, they cannot close down. They have to keep the uh, newspapers uh, going, so they have to bring in students. And for that, uh, they have special student contracts and, and special student arrangements and everything. In fact, uh, one thing which struck me this year was that the um, the employers uh, paid my membership for the union, for the trade union, uh, as associ- an associate membership for the trade union for the two months that I'm here. And talking about school, Niall and Brian told us. Well, the people in the class are Irish, English, Welsh, Scottish, 
a mixture, really, from all over Great Britain. And what's the common language? English. But um, during break, we speak French and English. Because if you want, if an English one an English person wants to talk to an Italian, the language will be in French. Now, if an English person wants to talk to a German, it'll be English because the Germans speak fluent English, like the Dutch. And uh, if you want to talk to a Frenchman, you speak French because they speak French. That's where it stops. That's what I find out that the French are at a big disadvantage coming to Brussels because they already have the French, while for the rest of us, it's a completely <coughs> new language. So we gain more in a sense, than the French themselves and the Belgians, even though they'd have their two languages. But I find, uh, I think it's really not fair on the French in a sense. How do you manage now about going out at night and that sort of thing? Would you feel as free to walk out at night here as you would in Rosseville or in Cork or in Dublin or any place else you've ever lived? Well, you could compare Rosseville to here because, well, there's no nobody about after half ten at night they're all up in Terry's so they are but uh, in Dublin or Cork I wouldn't feel very safe after about ten o'clock I mean I usually try to be on I usually am on the last bus from the centre out to Bray where I stay and uh, I don't particularly like being downtown when it's dark because you never know what's around the next bend but over here you can be pretty sure that you will be safe on the streets because the police have a fair hand in everything. Some people say it's a police state. Well, people say that they haven't lived here because life is so different here. It's, you know yourself that you will be safe on the streets even though you hear all these great stories about pre police brutality. But I find uh, there's no problem. You know, the police, you don't actually see them around but if anything happens the smallest incident the place is just swarming with them I find I, I think it's fine because I feel safe all my friends feel safe and uh, there's no problem about anything Brian do you miss your friends at home at all the ones that you've made in various places yeah a wee bit because they speak English and I can just go around and say am I coming up for a game of football that kind of thing coming up to play a game here you have to think how you're going to say it. <laughs> yeah, but I don't really have much friends around this area. Can you play a game of football here? Well, if friends come over from other parts, from the class. But fine. you've got to organise it, have you, in advance, more yeah, or less? Yeah, you have to um, kind of ring up the day before and say, round, OK, 11 o'clock, and then they probably head off at around 4, and then you're left. How does a body make contact with girls here? Ah. Well, the life, anyway, for in my class and in most of the classes in the European school, you've got two choices. One, you either make them at the school because that's school, or else you have the parish here. And the parish here is completely different to anything you could imagine in Ireland because they have fantastic facilities for the teenagers themselves and there are a lot of parents who put in a, a lot of work into getting a community spirit within the teenagers themselves and uh, you just really can't explain because the teenagers here are just one massive big happy family in a sense because they do an awful lot of things together we had a teenage workshop which went on for seven months and when that was finished 
everybody knew everybody extremely well as at the start nobody knew anybody really even though we'd all been at the same church same classes for three years and after that was finished we all ended up invading on someone's house af after mass on a Sunday for something to do because for seven months we were completely dependent on the workshop and we just didn't know what to do after it. So would you be inclined to take out a French girl, an Irish girl, an English girl? One more than another? Well, I don't see any difference. I mean, my... My French, uh, well, in my opinion, isn't bad. Uh, I don't know what my French teacher thinks about that. But, I mean, if I want to talk, talk to a girl in French... Shouldn't, there's no problem really but the English speaking people of my own age seem to go out more with their own language because uh, although you might speak the French you can get into situations and things like that which is just easier to have someone who speaks your own language around so it's just as handy in a sense So is it good here? Is it a good life for you? Oh yeah, I love it here so I do Really? I really do, yeah. Brian? I prefer here in Boomer Island, really. Why? Well, it's more fun. Got better places to go when you go to them. Oh, you got wider range of cinemas, better films. You go more often. Well, we didn't have time to go to the cinema in Brussels, but we did go shopping with the stewards and were amazed to discover that food prices were very little dearer than at home. How do the Stuarts find prices? After all, they live there. I think it's, it's difficult to say because it'll vary from family to family in terms of what they, their own desires and preferences are. Um, I've said earlier, services are expensive. Anything with, uh, with um, personal service in. We find there are certain foodstuffs more expensive here. Um, we find fruit and vegetables. I think I, I should be talking about this more, but uh, we, we've both discussed it a, a, a lot. Food, fruit and vegetables probably cheaper and much better quality in general I'm not saying you don't get good quality in Ireland but you can but in general you get good quality here um, things like uh, durable consumer goods uh, electrical goods things like that much of a muchness um, eating out can be the thing with the big difference we find from Ireland is there's a tremendous number of middle grade restaurants where you can eat out at quite reasonable prices and I think the reason for this, I, I've thought about it at length because of my long association with the tourist industry in Ireland, uh, back in, in, in my old days in Cork and Kerry. Uh, the thing, I th the clue, I think, is the fact that you have a very large population and they, are, they, are te they tend to eat out a lot. You know, it's, it's, you can go out there, go out and spec to a restaurant some night, as we did recently. And we went to about four restaurants, couldn't get in on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night. Quite amazing. And admittedly, okay, they weren't big restaurants, but just couldn't get a table. So uh, there's a lot more eating out, a lot bigger volume of population, and I think that that tends to level prices out a bit. But uh, some of my friends in the tourist business now might have, have different ideas about that, but certainly that's my view on it. I think maybe it's the, the, the cookers are so terrible here in Brussels that, that wives <laughs> refuse to, to cook, although that they, they insist on going out to to eat because they, they, they have a different type of cooker. Is it gas uh, or electricity? Well, the, I have an electricity, an electric stove, but uh, the, you can have both, but it fluctuates terribly. 
the, you know, for, for instance here, between half past five and half past seven, the voltage drops and uh, the cookers are generally smaller and they're, they're so different. And, and, but didn't uh, your electrician tell you? Oh yes, they, my cooker went uh, on me and an electrician who spoke English came along and he said, well, if you want to, if you want to cook in the English way, get an English cooker. And I said, well, well, what does the, the Belgian housewife do when she wants to bake a cake or something like that? And he said, bake a cake with patisseries all over? <laughs> I mean, you know, he was amazed that anybody would want to make their own cakes. And I think and this is the Northern Ireland upbringing, you see. Yeah, and, uh, well, not uh, what we <laughs> save a few pence. <laughs> I know, I know. But, I mean, the cakes are so beautiful here, of course. Uh, I don't blame anybody uh, going out and buying. What do you notice about eating out in particular now, particularly when you go home? What kind of contrasts do you notice? Well, I I think that, first of all, it's very expensive to to eat out at home now. uh, But um, they... uh, It's just, I think, there's a much better variety of of, uh, restaurants and you can go well I suppose you can do that in Ireland also you can go to a cheap one or an expensive one but as Terry said there's a marvellous in between that we can all go, that that the family can go without uh, upsetting the budget uh, too much you know Ah but there is one thing they miss The the meat has a beautiful flavour for a start uh, in Ireland Uh, and uh, here it's very nice and you don't get fat or bone or anything like that but at the beginning I thought this was marvellous you just paid for meat you didn't you weren't had a big bone or a big piece of fat in the middle but after a while uh, you notice that the the bone gives the flavour and the fat gives the flavour and that's all taken away and they put it in a little string bag with a bit of fat on the top but that's not the same it's not the same but I, I must say now the fish I haven't really bought fish here because um, we're so far from the sea that I don't believe it's fresh. And people say, oh, but it is, it's mm. brought down I'm from one the, of the, people the crack of dawn. And, but I, I, I just don't believe, because the sea's not at my doorstep the way it was in Galway, I don't believe the fish is fresh. Brussels has the name for being an expensive place to buy clothes, and some of the big Parisian designers have opened shops there in order to woo the custom of the Eurocrats' wives. What does Anne Stewart feel about clothes prices? Well, I, I think the clothes are very expensive here. The, the, the good clothes are very expensive. Now, you, of course, you can get whatever you want to pay, but you will get what you pay for. If, if you buy a dress, uh, say, at 1,000 francs, which is around the £15, you'll get a £15 dress, which is very cheap here. Uh, you know, the ch- it'll be cheap material and everything else you can also get a very nice dress for say 40 pounds but you could get a magnificent dress for 100 or 150 that you will never you won't see uh, on other people you will have it for years and it will look well and uh, oh they're they're just different you know i know you can get uh, i mean if you go up grafton street you can buy dresses for 150 pounds and that but £150, I wouldn't dream of paying that for a dress in Ireland. I wouldn't dream of paying it. But here, while I haven't paid it here, at least I consider it. I'd look at it and consider that perhaps uh, it would be nice. Again, it would be for a special occasion. But here, I find now that, that um, the, the women just buy... If they see a dress at £150, and it doesn't have to be for a wedding or a dance or, or a special party or anything like that, they like it. It fits them, they buy it. 
one gets the impression that there's very little struggle involved living in Brussels. There's a most efficient, cheap and clean transport system, for example, by tram and underground. And one-way flyover road systems in this city of one million people make for free-flowing traffic. Even the dustbin collection service is impressive with its recycling policy. Well, we were very struck by this. Um, first of all, uh, when we came here first, uh, we had a daily uh, collection of, 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 of uh, daily dustbin or garbage, as the Americans would say. Uh, then, uh, shortly after we came here, we got a letter from uh, the, the town hall saying that they were organising once a week the collection of bottles for recycling and paper. And uh, I must say, it's tremendous. I always would resist buying non-returnable bottles because I thought it was a dreadful waste. But here, all the bottles are taken away one day a week. We have a special collection for bottles and newspapers. And uh, we get the odd little note now and then to say that because of our great work in handing back newspapers, we save so many trees because the paper's all been recycled. I think it's wonderful. Again, I think you have volume here. Uh, but then Brussels is no more big than Dublin. It's uh, about a million people, and uh, I wonder, should we not think of something similar? But you pay for this service, of course. Well, we pay. Uh, we get a we pay a, um, a, a once a year about nine pounds a year. Uh, we get a note from the the local commune, and we pay it straight into the bank to them. And, uh, you know, I suppose if you take every house and every apartment in Brussels, and everybody paid nine pounds, it would come to a substantial sum. Undoubtedly, living in Brussels has many advantages. But what are the disadvantages? What do the Stuarts miss most here? Well, I miss the everyday contact with people and um, the, the, the chats, if, if you'd like to call it that. And uh, when I go up to the shops, I don't meet anybody I know. And uh, perhaps the odd familiar face, but not anybody I know that I could talk to and discuss things and... So it's really contact with people I, I miss, day-to-day -day contact I, I miss mostly. Do you ever miss sort of a good yap oh, with somebody? Oh, yes, indeed. So, the, But the Irish club uh, are very good. The, the ladies now, about once every four to six weeks, we have a coffee morning. Oh, just marvellous. <laughs> it's really great. We all get together and have, a, as you say, a real good yap now. And uh, we cry and we whinge and then we say after we've got that all off our chest we say oh but it's great here isn't it <laughs> you know and, and uh, we have a great time really you know and uh, but as I say it's just about once every four except for the coffee shop of course on a Sunday morning after after mass we, well that's once a week of course and we get together then too and have a good chat over things you know Terry, what would you say you miss most about living away from Ireland, living in Brussels? I think, uh, like Anne, to a certain extent, uh, contact with a lot of people. Uh, although I, being a, working, I, I'm obviously in a slightly different position from Anne. Uh, the thing I miss most are the, the facilities you have in Ireland for getting out into the country fast, for the, the sea. Um, funny enough, when I had all these things, I didn't do very much with them, but... I tend to miss... I used to walk a little bit in the, in, in, in the, in the 12 pins, and I miss that. Uh, I miss that sort of thing. 
Uh, you, the highest mountain here is about 600 feet and there's not much you can do there. But then we have the Ardennes. We have the Ardennes, here, which is very which is pleasant. Very, uh, again, it's different, yeah. of course, in the 12 pence. It's but more it's, of um, a forest area. But I miss, nice. I, I miss the, the facilities and uh, there's an ambience about Ireland too that I particularly like. It's an emotional thing, I suppose, but uh, I miss that to some extent and I like to go back fairly often. Yet you can come home to lunch every day here <coughs> and you're closer to your children, I think, than ever you could be at home because I think in your former, both your former jobs, you were away a lot. Yeah, that's been a big plus uh, in a sense that uh, much more, uh, if you like, family-oriented, uh, both for the last, for the previous, I suppose, 12 years to coming out here, I was in a job that uh, took me abroad quite a bit and took me out of my base quite a bit uh, I don't uh, fault it in any way for that I enjoyed every minute of it but uh, it had its it had its drawbacks too so in a sense I think at the end of the day you must balance up on the one side balance up on the other and you come out well maybe equal I don't know uh, but in a different way here I, I would agree with you I think the fact that we're uh, so close it's a much more closely knit situation as far as the family is concerned and the very fact that we're in a foreign country I think makes it more so yes you are inclined to cling together uh, more like a little island in a sea of, of, of uh, different language and everything you do cling a small bit more than you would at home could that create tensions Anne would you say it probably could you know it probably if you weren't could, the right kind of people well, happily and hopefully uh, we are you know it hasn't created any tensions here yet but perhaps <laughs> give us time after another few years we it may but at the moment now it's it's uh, we're very lucky that way that uh, because we're so glad to to be a family again as such and have uh, meals together and and uh, evenings and weekends together it's, it's, it's a big plus really the thing about it is uh, out here we have the reputation the people you know German colleagues will say laughingly oh well you know the Irish their sense of timekeeping and they don't work too hard and all the rest of it and in fact of course that I think that Irish people uh, work very hard uh, my experience uh, in, in Ireland uh, from the middle 60s into the middle 70s was that there were a lot of people very dedicated people who worked terrible lot harder than you see people here and I think that it's something we've got to get, that's a little inferiority thing we've got to get over over ourselves um, I think we enjoy it um, I think the men do anyway um, but it's something that, that uh, we should get over and we, we can hold our heads up uh, with, with, with the rest of Europe I think we can, we still have our, our own little quirks but then we wouldn't be Irish if we didn't have them do you notice anything sort of ridiculous, you know, the land of quirks, about the Belgians, for example, that causes you a lot of uh, amusement? Amusement? No, their driving <laughs> no, causes no, me no. <laughs> <laughs> heart failure. Yeah. But then, of course, the Irish are not the best drivers in Europe either. Yeah. But uh, I, hard to say. Um, I th I th perhaps we don't know enough Belgian, Belgian people yeah. as such uh, to get a, a, a definite picture because we are inclined to, to um, stick to the one language, uh, which is again a ghetto mentality. But the the uh, the communication. I mean, when I came out here, I said, "Well, now if I want to speak to Irish people, I stay at home." And I was going to, along with a lot of other people, I was going to 
sort of spread out and, and uh, meet Belgian people, but that's much easier said than done. Much easier <coughs> said than done. Because the, while they're very nice, the people we do know, there's just that little mm. reserve. There's that yeah. little reserve. I, I think also that uh, people here, I think it's this general continental thing, they have a job to do. If you ask them to do anything beyond that job, there's no way they'll do oh, it. No. It's, it's very much no, their responsibility, no. and that's it. And they won't go outside it. And there we leave our EEC family, Terry and Anne Stewart and their three children. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.